the true uh, value and the true role of the SSP is connecting supply through publishers directly to DSPs um, and working with uh, with both buyers and the publishers to curate and provide the most high value inventory possible. Um, why I say that it's increasingly more of a interesting question is there is a blurred line often between where the SSP and the DSP sits. And I think there was also a lot of education that was needed around that because the reason MFA exists in the way it does is because it hits a lot of goals for buyers, right? Transparency in itself is kind of the answer. So I know that that's, that's the question, but I think it's also the answer. Hello and welcome to the AdPod, the podcast which covers ad industry topics with expert guests. Today I'm joined by Matt Sattel, who is SVP Global Buyer Development at OpenX, and we're going to be talking about supply-side platforms, or as are more commonly referred to, SSPs. SSPs created some of the earliest foundations for programmatic advertising, whereby they would host and monetize auctions between buyers and publishers. However, their role has continually evolved and their product offerings have gotten significantly more broad. Plus, the SSP category itself is challenged. Many think they do not add sufficient value versus the fees they take, whilst many think they're an absolute necessity which adds a heap of value. To be honest, they can be quite controversial in use. We chat about all of this and much more in today's episode. I hope you enjoy. Hey Matt, welcome to the AdPod. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Wayne. No, great to have you on. I know this one's been in the works for a while, but great to have you here. And I guess before we get into it, uh, for those who don't know you, would you mind giving us a quick intro to your career and what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. So Matt Sattel, I currently am at OpenX running our buyer development team globally. So uh, ultimately coming up with a strategy and managing the team that is going to market with um, the buy side and showcasing the value specifically of um, OpenX's SSP and our identity story um, to um, build awareness around OpenX. Um, Historically, I came from more of the buy side. So I was at MIQ for many years uh, working on our in-housing consultancy. So yeah, working with brands across uh, a bunch of different verticals on their in-housing crop progress. So thinking about um, their ad tech stack, working through, are you working with the right number of DSPs? And um, finally, I would say over the last couple of years, focused um, pretty heavily on SPO and working directly with the SSPs to to showcase the value to our in-house clients. Um, And before that, I was at a couple different ad tech companies, including Samba and Ground Truth. Um, And prior to that, I was on the agency side for a number number of years. Awesome. So uh, today, obviously, we're talking about supply side platforms, and we've got somebody who's got a very well-rounded view on what that what they mean and who they what they mean for different stakeholders. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess before we sort of jump into the crux of the conversation around SSPs, we like to start episodes with definitions, just so that everyone's on the same page. Um, what is a supply side platform? Yeah, that's uh, increasingly more and more a tough question to answer, right? Um, But I think the true uh, value and the true role of the SSP is connecting supply through publishers directly to DSPs um, and working with 
uh, with both buyers and the publishers to curate and provide the most high value inventory possible um, to hit whatever KPIs that the buyer is looking to drive. Um, why I say that it's increasingly more of a interesting question is there is a blurred line often between where the SSP and the DSP sits, um, where um, for us, there's often situations where we're including targeting in our capabilities um, through our supply side targeting and our data and identity, uh, which is something that ultimately has transitioned um, for us from the DSP to the SSP and um, buyers are seeing a lot of value in that. Yeah, interesting. It'd be good to talk about that that, that evolution from you know what it used to be just sort of pipes connecting supply demand to now sort of more value adding through targeting insights etc um but i guess so given that like who is the primary customer of an ssp these days for us at openx there's three primary customers um so for me uh, buyers are ultimately our primary customer so um agencies and um, brand marketers directly um I would say that's also a bit of an evolution because marketers are getting a lot closer to their ad tech stack um, and doing direct deals with SSPs where, you know, three, four or five years ago, I think that that was substantially less common. Uh, so for me, our prime, my primary customer is our buyers, but we also have commercial leads that are working directly with our DSP partners. So in a very important part of our customer set is DSPs. So working with them ultimately to figure out how we can be the best um, exchange for those DSPs. And finally, publishers. So that has been the historical main primary customer of SSPs since the beginning of SSPs um, to ultimately uh, drive as much revenue and, um, and keep publishers happy. And that's uh, um, increasingly more um, complicated with things like targeting and the roles of SSPs and DSPs, but I would say has not, it still remains our primary, one of our primary customers, if not our primary customer. Right. Makes, that makes total sense. I guess balancing some of the um, different incentives can be challenging right for SSPs. So you've got to try to maximize the returns for the publisher, but I've got to try to deliver the campaign goals for the buyer. Um, I ma- imagine in real time, that can be a quite a challenging process for an SSP, um, which I find interesting. And so it leads me to my next question, which is um, buyers. So thinking about agencies and brands in particular, um, sort of looking historically, you know, a buyer would log into a DSP, go to the ad exchanges section, see some listed, ticks a box, uh, or unticks a box, happy days. Um, how has that evolved? How do you and your team now work with buyers? So I think it's right now around differentiation. So we've seen a lot of press over the last year or so around the undifferentiated SSP. And you you can't see me, but I was putting quotes around that. Uh, The undifferentiated SSP um, dying. And I think uh, while I I think that that is true across all ad tech, right? Anything that's undifferentiated, as you see more consolidation, is going to, um, to die. But I would say for the SSP, it's about finding... Uh, what drives value to buyers um, specifically with your capabilities. And for us, we've really leaned into data and identity. So, but really like the question that you're asking is what's evolved around relationships with buyers and SSPs. And I think the biggest thing is just the overall process of consolidation or, or SPO in general. So supply path optimization, I think takes on a couple different um, 
I don't know, you can think of it in different ways, but I think for, for this conversation, it's around figuring out which SSPs you are going to ultimately run through, um, through your DSP. And with more differentiation by SSPs, it means that the questions that we're getting asked in RFIs and RFPs have changed over the years. So right now it's, it's not just like, you know, are you the biggest it's, it's questions around sustainability, which has become increasingly more uh, popular within any sort of RFP, um, which has been a, a huge value to OpenX as um, the first net zero um, company in ad tech. But I would say in general, the questions are just getting a lot more detailed around uh, privacy, compliance, um, and thought leadership, and being able to showcase true value. Um, and then finally, um, MFA, direct, indirect, all of those topics are increasingly more prevalent in RFIs right now. And um, understanding that buyers ultimately want premium, high value, um, direct inventory. And um, what that doesn't include is things like MFA. So um, putting in product and buyer capabilities and buyer tools that allow them to ultimately hit their goals while also getting the inventory that they want are a lot of the questions that we had. So the days of SSPs being kind of the dump pipes between DSPs and publishers, I think have gone away um, as the SSPs have found more valuable roles and um, clear understandings of what they ultimately can do with things like supply side targeting, being the owners of bitstream data that is really valuable in market. Uh, there's a lot more value that can be had from from differentiated SSPs. Yeah, and I think that's something that comes up a lot when I talk to uh, buyers about the role of SSPs because you touched on a bunch of points there, but particularly around you know, this sort of drive towards more direct relationships with the publishers and just, you yeah. know, an SSP is not a publisher, right? It sort of sits in between and the market is so competitive. The SSP market is so competitive and there's a bunch of points of differentiation, which you mentioned, but how does the SSP continue to live on, you know, if buyers are driving so hard towards direct to publishers? Yeah, I think, again, those tools. Um, so everything that we do um, from a product standpoint, uh, we fall under a category that either has to benefit the DSP, benefit the publisher, or benefit the buyer. And resources get allocated based off of the value that they're going to drive to which consumer set. So when we're thinking about buyers, it's automatic toggles that allow you to remove any indirect inventory at the click of a button. It's things like completely removing MFA from deals. Um, and it's ultimately things around um, driving um, audience targeting within um, directly against supply. So for us, what we ultimately have focused on is building these tools that that provide value that no other player in the ad, in the ad tech space besides an SSP can drive. Um, which means that we're getting closer and closer to buyers, and the closer we get to buyers, the more we can do that, right? So the more we can understand the needs and the goals of, you know, frequency caps and all of the different um, things that are coming with cookie list, um, then we ultimately can build tools again that only the SSP can build because of the, the space that we live in, the, the ad tech ecosystem. Um, and also, I, you know, we can't discount the, our ability to, to do some really interesting things with Bitstream data and provide really transparent uh, reporting that I think it's really tough to come by by anybody else. That makes sense. And then you see some other companies in ad tech who are moving from SSP to DSP. We see some DSPs who you could say are moving towards an SSP model. 
and there's a lot of disintermediation going on with pure play SSPs that exist. Um, how do they continue to exist when you've got these sort of these tectonic plates of roles and responsibilities changing? Yeah. Um, so I think we we call it kind of a uh, a one hot marketplace is is what we think about it as when we're talking about it internally. Um, and I would say that that looks a lot like ad networks back in the day, right? Like there's a reason why we evolved from the days of ad networks to the days of, of programmatic in its form right now. And there's a check and balance that exists when you have both a DSP and an SSP, right? Like a role that we don't talk a lot about from the SSP standpoint is um, a lot of the like financial back and forth between like what the DSP has to pay, what's owed to the publisher. That's always historically been handled by the SSP. And that is a, a big role that kind of gets missed when you're talking about um, SSPs now, that there's a reason why this, this kind of intermediary between a uh, DSP and a publisher existed. And it's, and it's ultimately being able to drive the most amount of um, yield management and the most amount of revenue to publishers, make sure that they get paid, paid fairly and, and on time. Um, and I think that our, our role from an SSP side is again, has evolved to, to support both the SSP or sorry, the publisher and the buyer, which, um, which I think is a unique place, um, for us to sit because we've had those historical relationships with publishers for so long that we have those direct relationships with all the big premium supply partners. And we've had those direct relationships with buyers for so long that um that it's really about showcasing that value directly to the buyers that we know we've had for you know since the beginning of the ssp world and you see like every time a um some you know press comes out around mfa for example just because that, that i think is the most recent hot topic or correct me if i'm wrong there's probably something that's new since um uh, since uh, mfa M came out mfa is very fun of mind at the moment definitely Okay. Yeah. Maybe it will ignore the whole cookie list uh, conversation <laughs> and just focus on MFA for this chat. But um, when thinking about MFA, uh, the the agency holding companies and large buyers that have uh, been working directly with SSP partners for a number of years have been working on things like inclusion list, um, curating deals, um, you know, meaningful marketplaces that ultimately are eliminating things like MFA for years. It's it's often the people that are not as close to their SSP partners that fell victim to things like MFA. Um, and you see that you can look at a lot of the comments on um, every time an article like that gets posted. And I, I do it all the time. You come, you look at somebody who comes from a particular holding company that's been doing this for five plus years. And they often are commenting that like, this is not new news. Like we've been doing this for five years, but we've had a strong relationship with our SSP partners and we understand what it takes to curate and, to me, that's the like true value of SPO and what SPO is built for. What I think um, maybe some others talk about it as is um, consolidation to get strong commercial terms, which is great. Like obviously leverage your buying power to get good commercial terms, but also understand that there's next steps after you sign those SPO deals that takes cleanup and working on maximizing the amount of value that you have throughout that partnership beyond just commercial terms. Um, and I think if buyers and you know, the whole ecosystem can think of it in that way where it's how do we get the most amount of value out of every single partner in the ad tech stack rather than trying to pit, you know, DSPs and SSPs against each other and understand that there's probably situations where you're going to want to buy through directly through a DSP if there's a particular buy that you, you really want to do in that direct fashion. But there's a lot of work that's being done on the SSP side that as of right now, I don't think anyone else actually has the true capabilities to do. Um, 
And I would say the last piece is I, I think that our industry always is kind of a pendulum and the pendulum always swings. And right now people are going very direct um, because of things like MFA and all the um, indirect supply that exists. But I think um, the SSPs that are doing a lot of work to clean up what exists within the exchange um, are going to succeed. And the, the cleaner and the more direct that SSPs get, I think it's going to give that confidence back to buyers to, to do more of that auction-based buying with audience layered on top of it, which is the bet that OpenX is making, um, that if we have the cleanest supply possible with the most valuable audiences that can be layered on top of that, that buyers will ultimately see that it's safe and, and valuable to, to work directly with an SSP um, to do those types of buys. And you don't always have to be um, you know, through a PMP or a PG deal. Right. And so, so how, how do you think that kind of evolves the open exchange model? Like I know if you read um, some of the headlines, you speak to some big buyers, they talk around their ambitions to do like more guaranteed, more deal-based, more sort of auction packages. Does the open exchange, which is all, all demand, all supplies, all meets, does that have uh, much of a future or how, how do you think about the open exchange in general? So I think that auction packages are often built to mimic the open exchange with control and transparency that the open exchange doesn't provide, right? So I think it's less around the idea of the open exchange evolving, or sorry, the open exchange dying and more of the open exchange evolving. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, people are concerned about brand safety and quality and all of that. And, you know, there, and that's the, the challenge that you often run into when running across the open exchange unless you're doing a lot of curation, um, which is really challenging to do within the open exchange. So what we see often is a mix of the like multi-pub PMP deals, PG and, and, um, and single pub PMP deals being a big part of people's strategy. But we also see the open exchange being a, a core part of their strategy, but instead of running it directly through the open exchange, tying that to an auction package, um, which is easy to mimic um, based off of floor work that you can do to basically give you that same control um, and transparency of a deal, but uh, while still buying kind of across the open exchange, but allowing you to do a lot more with like inclusion lists and a lot more curation. So it's a great way of getting kind of that, like uh, that scale that you're ultimately looking for, especially when trying to do um, any sort of audience targeting, um, but still feeling safe and confident in the brand safety and the, the control levers that you have. Um, so again, it's not technically the open exchange, but if you if you think about it, it's it's much closer to the open exchange than it is to like a PG deal. Yeah, it, and it's, I just find it's interesting how buyers need to decision on these impressions, like how like the routes to the impression that they want. And I always think about these four things of performance, like the ad has to work somehow. Um, yeah. invest investment like is it going to like the right media owners like diverse owned um good initiatives it has to have quality like it has to be you know uh in the right in good content and um uh and good publications and then sustainability which i know you mentioned at the top so you've got these sort of four like you know good supply paths which are lowering emissions so you got these like this sort of four this sort of square of like and, it, and different impressions put in different ways um, and trying to sort of balance those all, them all, and then choose should it be auction package, open exchange, direct, guaranteed? Um, it's it's quite nuanced. It does require buyers to be um, reasonably savvy and 
and you touched on this earlier, but you know, working with SSP partners, so they are buying the impressions that they need because just to go into a DSP, you know, and just press go, you're going to open yourself up to a ton of risk and and the campaigns yeah. are working as well. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's both that like being savvy and also being flexible, right? It's uh, because I, a lot of people weren't talking about MFA until the ANA study came out, and then there was a lot of work being done to clean that up. Um, and I think there was also a lot of education that was needed around that because the reason MFA exists in the way it does is because it hits a lot of goals for buyers, right? Like if you have if you're running a campaign and optimizing to viewability or click through rate or all of these kind of vanity metrics that buyers have been used to optimizing to for since the beginning of, you know, digital, um, you have to think about that differently because you are optimizing to something that, that ultimately is driving things like MFA, uh, because those are the, you know, the KPIs that it clearly hits well. And, um, and DSPs have to evolve to that as well, right? Because algorithms are doing, the more DSPs have algorithms that are optimizing to, things like click-through rate, the more they're going to optimize to things like MFA, um, unless you're also working with your SSP partner to make sure that you have, you know, things like MFA blocked. So um, that's just a, like a quick example of why you need to be flexible is that probably wasn't on a good chunk of buyers like strategy or roadmap until this popped up and their clients were asking about it, right? So it's that flexibility and, and that's why it's important to have that that kind of evergreen relationship with your SSP because it's very common that um, that we have to work to solve some of these problems together. Um, and that's, again, why I say that our, our customers that aren't just buyers and they're not just publishers, but they're also DSPs. Um, because together, if we're working closely with our DSP partners, we're going to provide the most amount of value to all of our buyers and to our publishers, um, which is should be the goal of every SSP is to kind of support that that ecosystem. Yeah, completely agree. Nodding my head aggressively throughout that, <laughs> Matt. That's great. Um, and we were speaking about how, like, you know, made for advertising sites that capture demand at the moment is really sort of front of mind. But kind of one of the things that has sort of been always bubbling away, probably for the last five years, occasionally spikes in interest, is sort of take rates and transparency in relation to programmatic. So we see, like, you know, industry studies that talk about, um, uh, unknown deltas, missing fees, non-disclosed fees, resellers, etc. And yeah. usually, usually the fingers get pointed at SSP pretty quickly for the for these never use these sort of like you know issues around some of those topics. Yeah. So how do how do you think SSPs should be approaching the you know, transparency in general? Yeah. So I think really interesting question, and I think it's it's evolving. But I would say in general. Um, transparency in itself is kind of the answer. So I know that that's, that's the question, but I think it's also the answer. So, you know, we've partnered with, with Snowflake to build a product called Bits, which is giving, you know, 14-day transactional data on a variety of different fields that might be interesting from what you won at, what you could have won at, um, down to direct versus intermediary. Um, so I think really, um, you know, the role of the SSP, and I, I've said this to people before, and I'll, I'll say it again, is um, eBay has a lot of stuff that I don't want to buy, right? And probably stuff you don't want to buy, so I don't buy it. Um, but there are stuff on eBay that I do want to buy. And if I'm, you know, if I can be savvy enough to figure out what I want to buy, um, then I can just buy that. I don't have to buy the stuff I don't want, right? Like that's the idea of kind of a marketplace. 
And I think that that has historically and always been the job of the SSP is to um, to have the supply and the inventory that that buyers want and give them the tools to buy it effectively. And um, but I understand that there's a lot more pressure on the SSP now, um, and there's a variety of reasons. Sustainability is a huge reason why there's a, a focus on on every SSP, or there should be a focus on every SSP to make sure that we're driving as much supply through direct channels as possible, because we know the impact of carbon emissions on um, on a lot of the reseller and multi business that has historically run through SSPs. So. Again, I think it's about like communicating those needs, and and there are you know we have people that MFA is to to bring that up again want to block all MFA, but there are particular creative units that um, that run pretty heavily on MFA, and so they have to make the decision of do we not run this creative unit anymore, or do we or have almost no scale? So do we allow a little bit of what they consider to be higher value MFA um, into uh, into their supply and? And make decisions based off of what's ultimately going to drive the results for them while while also you know doing the right things for things like sustainability and um and driving the highest level of value for their end customer but the the challenge with all of that is there's a lot of competing goals right now so um we want as much direct supply as possible but then often are being asked about like our overall footprint and typically there's only so much supply out there and if you get beyond something then you're you're ultimately buying reselling supply. And that's, you know, how some of the big SSPs remain and are as big as they are. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of competing questions that are often put into to RFIs where it's like, if we answer one way, it might show that we're more direct, but it might show that we have less supply, but that's ultimately what people want. Um, so I think it's around having, again, that, that strong direct relationship with buyers to make sure that we're answering the question, but ultimately helping them understand um, why a certain answer is the way it is. So if, you know, if we don't look as big as another SSP, is that because we're a smaller SSP or is that because we've already blocked a lot of reseller and we're pretty heavy on that direct path? Um, and I think that's the continued challenge of people evaluating SSPs like they did five years ago, but also sprinkling in questions of how they should be thinking of an SSP now. And often those two things don't jive up. Yeah, totally, totally. And I know you weren't going to call anyone out and I wouldn't either, but in general for the listeners, I mean, the SSPs are not one and the same. You know, every SSP has good points and more some, some challenging points. So I think when, you know, conducting these RFPs, and if you're not, you should really ask good questions so you're confident that they are representing your needs. Otherwise, if you just go in, select all 50-odd exchanges in most DSPs, you're going to open yourself up to a ton of risk. Your campaigns won't work so well. So actually leaning in and speaking to SSPs and conducting processes, uh, I think is super beneficial, not just for, you know, uh, fee transparency or commercial agreements, but also just for buying better because the SSPs yeah. know, know, much, know, much, know much more about supply than any single buyer would. Right. And, and transparently more than any single DSP typically does as well. Um, but I'll say I can speak to one thing, uh, from like my past life, which is, uh, we used to run a lot of S chain analysis when I was, um, at the in-house consultancy. And one of the, the main focuses of that is, uh, when we onboarded a new buyer, um, or a new client for us, it would be understanding, um, how many SSPs they were working with, how much, um, seller hopping existed and ultimately the waste of that. And there was often when it wasn't 
looked at. Uh, one, there is a lot of there can be DSP bias that exists uh, when the D when a DSP owns a particular SSP, and um, and that would often come out when we did S chain analysis. Something like you know sixty percent of supply going to a single SSP um, without really without going through an SPO exercise. That's there's you know there's some bias that's happening there. Um, and then secondarily, I think that what happens is, um, for one example, they were running across something like 74 SSPs. And I would say the average buyer doesn't even realize that there's 74 SSPs, right? Like you hear about maybe eight of them pretty regularly. And besides that, there's a, but there's still a lot out there that, that you, that potentially don't even think of as an SSP, um, which can, you know, can equal, you know, something like 24% of your ad dollars being wasted if you think about the amount of seller hopping that's happening. And for those like who don't know what seller hopping is, it's one SSP getting its supply from another one who's getting it from another one down to the publisher and every single one of those SSPs are taking a cut, uh, which is, you know, really what the true value of SPO is, is, is not so much like, yes, you should consolidate your SSPs, but you should also consolidate your SSPs and be focused on the direct, the most direct path to that supply. Um, so it's not just about commercial terms, it's about commercial terms and getting direct supply. But, um, you know, that's, that's the importance of, of, of doing these RFIs and understanding how many SSPs you're working with and the amount of waste that you're seeing by not doing, um, true SPO. And then actioning on that, the, the second step too. And again, I'll keep saying that because I do think, um, the industry has evolved a little bit to thinking of SPO as, as commercial agreements rather than commercial agreements plus utilizing the tech that SSPs have built to get you the most direct supply. Basically, like what are you actually trying to get out of this RFP and then make sure that you're actually acting upon that afterwards and not just saying we've, you know, we've moved from 74 SSPs to five, so now we're good. Those five could still be going through indirect routes and often the bigger the SSP is, the more they are doing that. So you you want to make sure that you're you're actioning on the things, whether that be, you know, green deals with sustainability or the most direct path possible through SPO. Yeah, that, that actually leads me to sort of my final question really, and it is on SPO because that has been something which has been a big theme, a big theme. And it's, it's one of those annoying things where it does mean different things to different people, depending on who you speak to. I guess that as an SSP, kind of what are your thoughts on SPO? Like how important is it for buyers um, at, and do you think it's being misused? Yeah, interesting question. Um, for a couple, uh, there's a couple things to unpack there. So the misuse, I think um, you can very quickly get to kind of a race to the bottom, right? When you uh, when the commercial terms continue to get harder and harder to hit, and take rates on the SSP side now are not as high as they were in the past, which is great, right? It's great for the industry, but. Uh, but there comes a, a tipping point where, you know, there's still a company that has to be run and there's people that still have to be paid. So I would say in general, that's where it gets a little dicey is people throwing, um, throwing a lot of um, commercial incentives into the mix. And I think some things happen like um, the evolution of fee caps to post-auction discounts. Um, I think that there's some interesting things that have happened um, as that commercial structure has started to be built into SPO deals. Where, um, so for those who don't know, a fee cap is ultimately an SSP saying we'll never take over a certain fee for a seed ID that's run that's owned by a particular buyer or holding company. 
um, which means they're ultimately more dollars are making it to the publisher, making um, the, that buyer more competitive. Um, and that's, I would say, what, like you've been doing this a long time. That's the way that everybody kind of was providing commercial structures a couple, probably even like as recent as like two years ago, right? And then over the last uh, couple of years, uh, post-auction discounts or PAD has been um, increasingly more popular. And what PAD ultimately is, is, um, is basically all happening within the bid where uh, we will provide a discount um, all in real time to say, you know, we'll report back to the publisher that, that, that the deal was won at, let's say, $4, uh, but we'll report back to the DSP that it was won at, you know, um, $3.80. And, and the SSP ultimately eats that cost, which means the buyer is bidding at the, the most they possibly can to win. But they're getting, you know, in that situation, a percentage back um, that can run through working media. And so it powers more working media and gets more dollars back into the buyer's hands to run through their DSP. Um, that's the commercial structure that I would say most people, most buyers are looking for now. I think that the different commercial models that are that are being added to SPO uh, provide different value to publishers or to buyers. And it's the decision of the buyer which route they want to take. But I think it's really like having to be very specific and asking for as much transparency going into that as possible. So understanding what your historical take rates are, it's understanding um, relationships and the the directness um, that 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 SSP ultimately has, and it's asking the right questions throughout the process because it's really easy to sign a commercial deal uh, that looks beneficial. Um, but if you're not asking the right questions, could be getting less money to the publishers, which ultimately we want to make sure that we're driving as much dollars to publishers to keep them in the mix, um, while also creating the most um, efficient campaigns possible for the buyers. Great. Thanks, Matt. This has been, this has been really good. We covered a lot. And I think, I guess, to summarize the you know, the listeners, when you think about sort of supply in general, you can always just book with one website yourself or you can go and select every ad exchange you've got different ends of that risk spectrum but the kind of the, the best bits that be in the middle by working with ssps to have better curation better understanding of supply better understanding how to bid um and you know i think that's how you make campaigns work and and you get part of the you know, investment into the right hands so um yeah this conversation's touched on some technical things some sort of more high level things but uh, ultimately, I think SSPs do have a big role to play in the future. Um, I'm excited to see how it continues to evolve. Um, so thanks a lot, Matt. I really appreciate it. I guess finally, where can people find out more about you and OpenX? Yeah, um, happy to have a conversation with anybody. So um, add me on LinkedIn um, or you can email me directly. It's uh, just matt.satel at openx.com. Um, I'm always around, so happy to chat with anybody um, and go from there. Awesome. Thanks again, Matt. I really appreciate it.